Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. We are on our seventh episode of this uh, exciting series called Letters to Leaders. In this seventh episode, um, it's very interesting. I think it is something that it, it, that is important to every level of leadership. To every level of leadership. And the, the significance of it is this. That with pressure, this current situation going on with, with uh, everything that is happening, with the economy, uh, with social distancing and all this other stuff, it can cause stress. And I'm not talking about the good stress. It can cause stressors that cause us to... Uh, not be as healthy as we could be. So today we're going to talk about how we as leaders, we must maintain this level of health that is necessary for us to lead. Okay, so let's go ahead and jump into this. Again, this is episode number seven. And the primary focus today is that a Christian leader must have emotionally healthy attitudes and relationships. And our declaration is we will be leaders who have self-control and emotional security. We will be leaders who have self-control and emotional maturity. Now, let's review to come up to this. The first episode that we had, we talked about this is you. The second episode of this series was personally responsible. The third episode was the best character. The fourth episode was bona fide leader. The fifth episode, leading positionally. Last week we talked about painful endurance. And today, we're talking about mindfulness. Mindfulness is a new area in, uh, that is being discussed in the mental health arena. And we're going to look at that because we want to make sure that we have uh, our emotions are healthy. Because if our emotions are not healthy, if we're not healthy, our attitudes are not healthy, then when we get involved in relationships and interacting with others, we will take some of that unhealthiness into those relationships and our interaction with others. And so we want to address that because if we don't address it, then guess what? It'll be something that happens and we'll wonder why everything seems to be turning negatively. But once we address it and we understand what we need to do, then it's easier for us to position ourselves so that we can do things the right way. So let's look at our definitions for this week. Our definitions for this week are, number one, leader. One that leads or conducts a guide, a conductor, an influencer. Definition number two, lead, where direction is given by example. Our next definition, definition number three, is mindful, having knowledge, remembrance, or recognition, recollecting, 
thoughtful. Next definition is actually a suffix, which is ness. It's a word, it's a word forming element denoting action, quality, or state attached to an adjective or past participle to form an abstract noun. Now, I, all that was to say is that it is a uh, something that goes on to the end of the sentence to let you know that it is an action, it is a, a quality or a state of how uh, we're going to go forward. And it makes it a noun. It makes it a person, place, or thing because of this suffix. And then our fifth definition is mindfulness. It is the psychological process of bringing one's attention to experiences in the present moment. So mindfulness is the psychological process of bringing one's attention to experiences in the present moment. Now I want to take a quick little uh, side track on this to say mindfulness is focusing on what is happening at the moment, not looking through it, not looking past it. There is a, an expression that is said to the effect, take time to smell the roses. Take time to be in that present moment instead of rushing through it. Let's take time to see what is actually going on. Our scriptures are coming uh, from, again, the pastoral epistles, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. These were written by Paul while he was in prison to these young men that were starting uh, ministries. So our first set of scriptures are coming from 1 Timothy, the third chapter. We've heard this before, but we're going to hear it again. Starting at that second verse, this is the English Standard Version, and it says this, Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, moreover he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Again, we're talking about mindfulness. Let's look at 2 Timothy, the first chapter, starting at that fifth verse. And it says this. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me as his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. 
Our next area is Titus, the first chapter, starting at the seventh verse. And it says, For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that it will rest on to the good soil of our hearts that we will grow thereby. And so when we look at all these scriptures together, if you notice what they're focusing on, they're focusing on having that healthy emotional attitude because if we take care of ourselves if we stay in the moment if we do those things to take care of our mind it will affect how we interact with each other and it affects how we interact with ourselves one of the things that you and I both know is that we talk to ourselves more than we talk to anybody else now, there's a situation, there is a uh, condition where we may have to uh, talk to someone that is in a lower emotional state than we are. They're going through something. Now, we don't want to put on the airs of that everything is all right with us. We also want to be able to tell them that we have gone through some situations too. That we have had some pain and that everything, although their perception of us is rosy, is not necessarily that. There are some things that we have gone through that have uh, made us feel like we may not make it. However, because of God's grace, his mercy, his kindness towards us, we were able to go through. So as you can see, it becomes a thing whereby we can use our situations as encouragement for someone else but we have to be mindful of the moment we have to be in the moment we can't be thinking about things that we have to do later or on down the road but if we get ourselves locked into what's happening at the moment we can be an encouragement to other people the other point that that, that comes into the verses that we just looked at is that they dealt with the each one of those dealt with how you as a leader works or interacts with your family and also how you parent it looks at how you interact and it looks at how you do the things that you do not only in the church environment but how you're doing things in your household what are you doing in your household and how you are moving forward in those things that you're doing so as a leader we are to be uh good spouses we to be good mothers we are to be good fathers we should be providing a level of balance a level of encouragement lifting up those that are in our families so that we can be encouragers one of another. We're to have a good handle on our emotions. And by having that good handle on our emotions, it allows us to show self-control in interpersonal communication. 
So when we're sitting there talking to somebody, we don't, they say something crazy off the wall, we don't take it personally, but we're able to maneuver through that so that we can help them to become better at who they are. Sometimes when our, uh, our children say something to us, we kind of take it as they're, they're addressing us, but they're not necessarily addressing us, they're addressing the situation and we have to some pull ourselves back, look at the situation, and discuss uh, what's going on from a, a, a emotionally mature standpoint instead of allowing our emotions to kick in and we act just like what, whatever age our child is at the time. So it's more like two children bickering instead of a parent parenting providing oversight, insight into the life of the child to help the child to get a better understanding of situations. So there was a movie um, that came out a while, about, a while ago called Inside Out. And it was about this little girl and she was, it was her emotions were actually personified so that you can get an idea of how they would interact with this young lady. And so, the emotions are a part of life. And for anyone that's in a leadership position, emotions can run high. Emotions can be, you know, elevated. And so, but we're supposed to have self-control. We don't allow our emotions to control us. We control our emotions. Now, one of the things that I tell folks when I'm doing my coaching is the key way to control your emotions is to breathe. Something so simple. Breathe. Don't, you know, let your anger build up. Breathe. Relax. See the uh, situation for what it is, not for what you think it will become, but for what it is at the moment and deal with the moment instead of trying to preemptively strike of what you think might happen and it totally could not be what's about to happen. So not, not only are we to have this uh, self-control, but we, because we are Christians, we should have spirit control. The spirit of God should be speaking to us, telling us, don't let this get to you. Don't allow this to, and we should be adhering to the word of God in how we should go forth and interact with that person. And this is a part of growing in the Holy Spirit. Because he will lead us and guide us to all truths. He will bring to our remembrance all the things that Jesus has said. Everything that we have uh, related to in our study, in our prayer time. He will bring it back to help us to bring ourselves under control. So that we can be able to minister to whoever it is we're talking about. And so we want to be at a point where we are leading and guiding so that we can empower folks to be and do better. One of the scriptures that uh, was mentioned today 
uh, kind of got sandwiched in between some things, but we hear the, this one scripture all the time, a very popular scripture, 2 Timothy, the first chapter and the seventh verse. For God is not, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Now we got to remember, Paul is speaking to this young pastor and is encouraging him as, as this pastor feels timid in his leadership. And Timothy was dealing with false teachings and disruptive leaders. And for any timid young person, the task of taking charge can seem overwhelming. So fear and timidity are natural emotions when we are uncertain or facing great challenges. However, Paul wants to challenge Timothy to be empowered by the Spirit of God to overcome his fear and take charge of the situation. So when Timothy is guided by the Holy Spirit, he will lead out of love and not out of will and ego to take control of the congregation. Because he's not trying to fight them with flesh and blood. He's not trying to will them into doing it. He's allowing the Spirit to speak through him to help him to lead the congregation to righteousness, to lead the congregation to being in right standing with God. So we have to realize that this manner of fear is just built upon our insecurities. And when we lead from our insecurities, we will not be empowered by the Spirit of God. Because insecurity is based upon our perceptions that things are not going in the right or the proper direction. So we want to empower ourselves. We want to do this by the leading of the Spirit of God. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> so Paul instructs Timothy, and he also instructs Titus. He tells them that the leaders are not to be quick-tempered. They're not to be controlled by anger. He charged this, this Ephesian church not to sin when they are angry and not to go to sleep without dealing with anger because that will give the devil a foothold because it festers in them. Now, everyone gets angry. And we could blame people for causing our anger, but even if we lived on a deserted island, we could probably get angry with ourselves. We get angry when we are frustrated or impatient or when a wrong has been committed against us or someone else. The best way to deal with anger is to give it to God every day. Now, Paul doesn't say don't get angry. The emphasis is rather on not letting anger cultivate sin in your mind or your heart. So don't let it fester and don't give the devil a foothold in your life and relationship because of your anger. You deal with your anger. You come bring that anger into the moment and you see the foundation for it and you deal with it based upon that foundation. If it's your frustration, if it's, if it's impatience, or if it's because of wrongdoing, 
then you recognize it for that and don't allow it to fester. Don't allow it to, to bubble, to simmer into your life and sleep on it. And then next thing you know, you're just mad at everybody, especially the person that, that started this. And, you know, I was telling our Bible study folks, I said, you know, I know of folks that have not spoken to each other in ten, for 10 years. They have not spoken to each other. And the reason they stopped speaking once they finally came together, they couldn't even remember what it was. And so they've lost all that time together based upon a situation that happened that did not get properly resolved. So now they have missed out on some very probable great times together because of not getting it resolved appropriately or properly. Another point that, 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 that uh, Paul was bringing out to Titus was this. He said, we don't want leaders to be overbearing. What, 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 when you think of overbearing, think about it. It's somebody carrying something and it's heavy and, you know, we don't want. So as a leader, we don't want to be the one that's trying to control every situation. One of the things that we uh, call that is a micromanager, a manager on the smallest level where you trying to manage how folks do things, how we, because it will get you frustrated because people don't think like you think. People don't process like you process. And so their way of doing it may not be your way, but your focus should be on did they accomplish the mission? Is the mission I gave them Training them, teaching them how to do things better? Or is it teaching them how to do things appropriately? Is it uh, teaching them how to process things? What is the purpose of me giving them this task and providing the oversight that is necessary to them so that they can see and know what it is that they need to do? So once we get... Uh, Involved in the thing of micromanaging. Once we get involved in this thing of, of, of controlling people and doing all that, not only we become are we micromanagers, we can become manipulating, uh, controlling, domineering, and that does not create an environment of control and edification for people. It does not encourage people. It does not do the things that are necessary to cause them to grow. Actually, it becomes a hindrance. And then, as we're calling it a day today, the next thing that I want to point out is that leaders, we must be gentle and we have to be patient. Real power, real authority, real strength comes from a gentle spirit. And there is a uh, Aesop who was a, who was a writer of fables, which were ways to teach children in the earlier days about uh, life. So Aesop had this fable about the sun and the wind, and the sun and the wind. The wind was telling the sun, and it was the north wind. Tell the son that he's more powerful and that you know he, he he's just better than the, than the son. 
And so the wind said, I tell you what, there's this man walking down and whoever can make that man take off his coat will be the winner. The sun says, okay, so the wind goes first and the wind starts blowing and he starts blowing and he starts blowing. At first, the man was walking, his jacket was open, but then as the wind kept blowing and because it was a north wind, he started clutching his coat, he started wrapping up tighter, he's putting his hat down on his head, you know, he's, tr he's trying to stay warm, and, you know, and he's walking and walking and walking, so then north wind gives up, get, uh, gives up. And then all the, uh, the sun did, the sun started shining and just started radiating. And then he just shined and radiated just a little bit more. Then he shined and radiated just a little bit more. And slowly but surely, you see the man take his hat off and he's wiping his brow. He gets up and he starts walking. And as he's walking, he opens up his coat. And finally, he takes off his coat, puts it over his arm, and continues on his journey. And the whole point of this was being soft and being gentle was, is better to have someone do something than it is to be hard, rough, and fierce. And that's the same thing with leadership. If someone comes to you and just hollers at you and screams at you and, and talks in a way, talks down to you and is just rough with you, you really don't want to do what they're asking you to do. You just want to get away from them. But someone comes and, and they're gentle and they're kind and, 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 and they're showing uh, compassion and, and, and you know they're showing empathy and they, they compel you to want to help them in the situation. And so we as the mindfulness type of leader, where we're bringing ourselves into this uh, situation as we're focusing on how to accomplish this mission we bring ourselves into the moment and we say if I was on the receiving end of what I'm about to say what would be the best way for me to receive it that kind of ties into that scripture is to do unto others as you would have them do unto you that kind of situation yes and when you do that, it will cause you to change or adjust how you interact with people. It shows that you have a level of maturity. It shows that you are operating in an emotionally healthy attitude because this is a team thing. We're doing this together. Although you're the one doing it, we're part of this team that what you do is a part of the greater thing that we have going on. So I want you to do it because you want to, not because I'm forcing or compelling you to. And as you do that, you get more work out of people. You get more uh, cooperation from your children, from your spouse. When you do it, with a, a mindset of being healthy, of being uh, supportive, of showing love and compassion towards others. Now, as we close today, I have one more scripture that I need to lay in your lap because I believe this is the key scripture for mindfulness. The key scripture for mindfulness. So if you have not written down anything I said today, 
you need to grab your pen, grab you some paper, and you need to write down this scripture. Alright? Are you ready for the scripture? Alright? Most important scripture of all the scriptures we went through today, this is the mindfulness scripture. It is located in Philippians, the fourth chapter. It's only one verse, and it is the eighth verse. Again, this is the English Standard Version, and it says it like this. Of all the things that we discussed about, all the things that we've talked about, this is the deal. Philippians 4 and 8, English Standard Version says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So we want to think about what is just, pure, lovely, commendable, honorable, true. We want to think on those things so that we can have that healthy emotional attitude, that healthy emotional uh, uh, interaction or interpersonal communication. Because if we are uh, locked into those, to these things that are true, honorable, just, that are pure, that are lovely, commendable, if we're locked into those things in our mind, then what we say will have those processes or those characteristics as part of it, which will reveal how mature, how uh, understanding that we are as leaders. So we want to get ourselves locked into being mindfulness, having mindfulness, being into the moment and how to maneuver through the moment for the good of ourselves and for the good of those that we are interacting with. Because it is important not only to the leader himself, but those that he or she is training to become leaders, it is important to them as well. Set the example of excellence not the example, um, not uh, the example of excellence and consistency. Not an example of uh, how I feel, you know, wavering or vacillating. And let's say not an example of vacillation. We want them to be consistent, and that consistency to cause folks to be at their best at all times. All right. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, today is as good as day as any. Now, we believe that we could get all these attributes of ourselves if we study, you know, and all this stuff. But I will tell you that the key to this is number one, having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you get that relationship by accepting what he's already done for you. It's a gift that he provides. He just wants you to accept it. And the way that you accept that gift is very simple. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. 
Saved, that word saved means to be rescued, delivered from the penalty of sin. The penalty of sin is death. But the gift that Jesus has already had prepared for you is eternal life. That's life forever in God's presence. And so we want you today to accept that gift. And when you accept that gift, Jesus says that I will not leave you comfortless, but that he's going to send the Holy Spirit. He, the Holy Spirit's going to come into your life. He's going to lead you and guide you to all truth. He's going to lead you and guide you to walk in that love. He's going to walk in that truth, walk in that joy, walk in that uh, just, walk into whatever's pure, whatever's commendable. He's going to assist you into achieving that goal in your life. Because not only is it an emotional thing, not only is it a physical thing, but it's also a spiritual thing. And so as we are moving toward that direction, the Spirit of God helps us to achieve that mindfulness goal. So accepting Christ into your life. Once you've accepted him, you need to find a place to fellowship with other believers because this is not an individual situation. This is a team situation where we help one another. We encourage one another. We uh, provoke one another. We help assist one another to do the right things as it pertains to Scripture. If today you have made the decision to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. We ask that if you're on the platform, let us know by clicking on that button. If you're on a Facebook, uh, or either way, if you want uh, to let us know so that we can provide you with additional information to help you and assist you to become more of what God has designed for you, let us know by emailing us at info at godshousecc.com. That's info at GodsHouseCC.com. And we will get information to you. We will come alongside you and assist you on this newfound journey that you have in Christ Jesus. We celebrate with you accepting Jesus today. And we believe that your best days are ahead of you because you have Christ in your life. Friends, family, everyone today. We are so glad that you took time to be a part of our service. And as we close out, you know I'm going to say it, so here it is. May God's blessings be upon you in Jesus' name.